0: We have two scriptures today. The first is the 23rd Psalm, which is very important to me. As many of the teachers who are out there know, today was a week of testing, and several years ago we had had an especially difficult year. Eighth grade had experienced testing for four days. Two days we were locked down while sixth and seventh tested, and then the last two days we tested science and social studies by the fourth day I was with the students in a classroom I was not familiar with with students I didn't know and the stress overwhelmed me as I walked around actively monitoring the test tears began to stream down my face those of you who have been in education know that anything that you do to distract students while they are testing is a violation Violations need to be reported to the campus administrator in in charge of testing, who then reports them to the school district, who then reports them to the TEA. And as the tears were streaming down my face, I realized that if any child looked up and saw me, I would be a testing violation. And the more I thought of this, the worse stress I began to feel. Finally, I knew I had to do something to take my mind off of it. I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't stop what I was doing, you couldn't really call somebody to come cover the class because you couldn't stop crying. And I saw that my friend had her Bible out on her desk. I walked up to it, I picked it up, and I carried it to the back of the room. And it opened to the 23rd Psalm, and I began to read the 23rd Psalm. And I walked, and I observed, and I read a little bit more, and I walked. And I observed, and I wiped the tears away, and I realized that what I needed to do was memorize the 23rd Psalm. But I was restored, I had a purpose, I had a connection with God, and I was able to go on again. And so as I read to you the 23rd Psalm today, I would like you to listen to it as something a little different. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, John 10 verses 1 through 18. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This command I received from my father, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I said before, it's Good Shepherd Sunday, and we have looked at two different stories about the shepherd, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. But before we can understand these shepherds, we must know a little something about actual shepherds and The basis for the images that were used in the Bible. When we think of animals and herds and flocks, we think of creatures used for food, creatures that are property, creatures that are part of a business. But for the shepherds in ancient Israel and Palestine, the sheep were more than that, they were a source of wool, they were not slaughtered routinely. A shepherd might be with the same sheep for as many as 10 years, which is the lifespan of a sheep. They would know them. They would name them. They could recognize them. And they could sing to them in a certain voice, and the sheep recognized that voice. For that reason, the shepherd was able to call to them, and they would come. They were to him a responsibility not just property. A shepherd in ancient Israel and Palestine had a number of tools. One was a bag in which he carried his his food, usually some bread, dried meat, dried fruit. He had a staff, which was a short wooden club, and it had nails sticking out of it. And through the end in the handle, it had a thong, and he would carry the staff on his belt, and it was used to defend his flock from robbers and thieves because it was good in close combat. He also had a rod, or the shepherd's crook. He used it as a walking stick. He used it to pull back sheep that were wandering away. And he had a number of other uses. It was his ever-present go-to tool when he had nothing else. He also carried with him a sling the kind of sling that David, also a shepherd, used against Goliath. And with it, he could fight off predators and wild animals. The shepherds were usually extremely accurate with their slings, and they could take out and scare off any predators that might come by. Another use that the shepherd had for his sling is if a sheep had wandered too far away for him to reach with his crook, he might take a stone and toss it right in front of the sheep's face. And this would get his attention, and then he could call him back. The shepherds knew their, their sheep, they named them, and they knew his voice. Um, one of the sources I checked said that he had heard the shepherds in Palestine and Israel calling to their sheep and their goats, and they used a strange sing-song kind of voice, and it in many ways mimicked the sound that the sheep and the goats make and it was unique for each shepherd and so the shepherds would hear the sound of their or the sheep would hear the sound of their shepherd and they would know who they were to follow. There were two types of sheep pens in ancient Israel and in Palestine. The first one was the permanent kind that was maintained near the village. It was usually a stone structure and it had a genuine gate and it also had a gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper was a member of the village, just like the shepherd, and he knew all the shepherds, and he knew whom to allow to enter and whom to not. And so the shepherd, the true shepherd of the flock, would be able to enter by the gate. The other other pen was a pen that they used out in the pasture. If the weather was very nice, they would build a pen out of brush and make it a rude kind of round circular area. Not very strong, but then the sheep didn't need anything really strong. And in the opening, he would lead them through the opening. And then he would become the gate. He would lay down in front of the opening. And the sheep would stay inside. And in this way, the shepherd became the gate. We have a figurative shepherd in the Old Testament. And as this image is used in the Old Testament, it's frequently used as... A guide for kings and priests. They were to be the good shepherd of the people of Israel. And we see this in the 23rd Psalm. When David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When the king wished to speak to his vassals. And if they had been squabbling or villages had been fighting. He would invite them all to the castle and they would come and they would have dinner. So he would prepare a table for them. And one of the signs of hospitality was to anoint their heads with oil. And also we think of anointing with oil to be the the idea or something that priests do. And so therefore we have the reference to the priest as well. Quite often these people would forget what they were supposed to do. They would forget they were sheep or they were shepherds, and that they had responsibility to the people of Israel and will become involved with themselves. And that brings us to the shepherd that is mentioned to us in the, Old, in the New Testament, John's shepherd. And these are the words of Jesus. He tells us what kind of shepherd he is. David tells us about the shepherd from the sheep's point of view. Jesus tells us about the shepherd From the shepherd's point of view. And as you can see, most of this is in red. I don't know if you can see it. If you look in your Bible, it's in red. That's why I had to type it out. I don't read red that well. But most of this is in his words. And so he gives us a closer, more intimate picture of the shepherd. got out of order here. There we go. One of the things you should know is that there are seven I am statements in John and it's a beautiful literary device. And I am the good shepherd is one of them. The statements are, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth. I am the good vine. So as the good shepherd, Jesus was recognized by the gatekeeper. And many sources believe the gatekeeper to have been John the Baptist. He was one of the members of the village. He was an Israelite. He was recognized as one of them. He was fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. And he was bringing life not death like the thieves and robbers mentioned in the Bible. Jesus said that the sheep knew him and follow him. They recognized his voice. And we know from our stories of the disciples, when Jesus called them to be their disciples, they left their boats and their nets and followed him. They left whatever they were doing, even though they had never met him before, because he spoke to something within them. And they recognized his voice. And they knew that this was their calling to be disciples of Christ. He is the gate for the sheep. This is the reference to the temporary enclosure where he lays down in front and keeps the sheep in and then stands and lets them out. The sheep have to know him for him to be able to do this. They don't know the pen. He's just made it. So the only way that they find shelter is through him. They come in and they go out. And this is a deliberate statement by John to show that he provides security. Because in ancient Israel and Palestine, true security meant you were free to come and go. We think of it today, the people who live in dangerous parts of the world or in dangerous parts of big cities where if they go outside, they risk being shot. Quite often, they will hold themselves up inside their houses, fearful to step out for because of what might happen. Old people are robbed of their Social Security checks, and sometimes the world is a dangerous place. But when we feel secure and we feel safe, we come and go as we please. We say hello to our neighbors. We comment on somebody's new car. We greet people as we walk our dog and go to check our mail. That's what it means to be secure, to come in and to go out. And to be secure means that when we come in to God and to Jesus, we come into him broken and we come into him weak and we come into him unable to come up, to go on. And he takes us in and he comforts, comforts us and he restores our spirits. And then we are free to go out again. To be good Christians and to do his will and to thrive and to prosper. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't run from evil. He stands and faces it. He is not a hired hand who runs away. And this Jesus still lives among us today. In the Middle East and in Northern Africa, there are Christians who are killed because of their faith, how easy would it be for them to run away? To to say, I no longer believe in Christ in order to save their lives. But they don't. They follow the shepherd. They hear his voice. And they know even though they die, they will rise again. He still lives and he still speaks. Finally, John 10:18 says, where Jesus is talking about laying down his life for his sheep. He says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. We know this to be true, and yet this passage has been ignored. How often have we heard people accuse the Jews I know when I was little, people said it, but the Jews killed Jesus, and they use it as an excuse for anti-Semitism. And while all of us may have in some way in our past been the stones and the shouts that crucified our Lord, he chose to do this, that we might be saved. A good shepherd took on anyone who came, wolves, thieves, whatever he was willing to give his life for his sheep. If his sheep were attacked, he would try and snatch them back from the jaws of whatever predator had them. He knew that he could not live unless he proved that he had done everything in his power. And though Jesus was defeated, he was not. Because although he gave his life for his sheep, we were not left alone. He rose again. He took up his life. He filled us with the Holy Spirit so that we would never have to be alone. And the Holy Spirit speaks in us still. The Holy Spirit speaks in us still because no matter what we do, we can hear his voice. When we do something good, he speaks to us and we feel joy in our heart. When you give a gift that no one expected and it's just something that came to you as you were walking along and you saw it you said, so-and-so will like this. I will take this to him. You never know what joy you may bring. But if you bring joy, you go, my heart is filled more full than this little thing is worth. And that's a gift from God. And when we do something wrong, because all of us are teachers and parents and leaders, and we say, oh, If you would do this, you would be so much better. If you could just follow these rules, we would have it all down. And then we start to judge. And then we start to forget what were our first two commandments. Jesus gave us two things we must not forget to do. We need to remember always to love the Lord with all our heart and all ourselves and all our being. We need to remember to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we think to ourselves, well, that's a simple thing. That's easy to do. I've got that down. Now let me make a list of actions that I can take to show that I am a good Christian. And we, we forget that sometimes the hardest things are the ones that sound the most simple. How much easier is it to take action than to look into your heart and say, do I love enough? Do I love God with everything? Have I been judgmental? Do I not need to love and forgive and to have compassion? And sometimes we need to focus on those two commandments. And that's what he asks of his sheep. And we all know that this is where the the, um, metaphor breaks down. Because humans are way more complicated than sheep. We think for ourselves. We think that we know everything. We walk our own ways and think we're on the right path. But we need to remember our first two commandments. To love God and to love each other. And if we can focus on those, then we are prepared to go out and do things. But never forget that the commandments he gave us were about love. And love is what gives us strength. We are blessed to be God's flock. We are filled with his voice. We are certain of his love. And we know that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.